Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 533 on Tuesday, the 11th of July, 2023. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be asking if the automated driving hype bubble has finally burst. In new new car news, we see the intern did a better job than the original team. Ooh. And we have recommendations which include returning to the sleazy 70s. But first, we have a smidgen of follow-up, and this is all to do with the story that is going to rumble on and on, I feel, and fear uh, for some time, and that is to do with the rules of origin for electric cars. We've discussed this in previous weeks, um, but it appears the EU Commission has turned round and gone, no, we're not changing the date to 2027, which is what some who were uh, lobbying wanted. We are going to stick with 2024. This, as we were, I think it was last week or the week before we were discussing, mm. is going to hit the car companies in the EU as well as anybody based over in Britain at the same time. Yes, this is a pan everyone one. And you do wonder if a little bit of it is payback for the, all the e-fuels fluffing about and all that kind of stuff as well. well for embarrassing politicians. Yeah. You, you wonder that there's a certain amount of sort of Mm, okay, you tried to make us look stupid here, so yes, I can I can easily see that that is the case. Whether it is or not, who knows? But mm, yes, well, no, mm, well, no well, I'm sure, I was going to say nobody will ever know. People will know, but it can never be said. Yes, yeah. so yes, it's the beginning of the month, Alan. Do you want to take us to your favourite part? It is, yes, yeah. I was almost suffering from withdrawal symptoms from this because it's a it's a week later than normal. Um, but yeah, the uh, SMMT new car registration figures for June 2023 have been published just the other day. What are the headline figures? Uh, they are that 177,266 units have been uh, were registered. Uh, that's a rise of 25.8 percent over June last year. Lots of headlines got very excited about until you look at what June last year was, and it was appalling. June last year was appalling. It was a bit more than a 25% drop over June 2021, uh, which was much better than June 2020, but all of which were much worse than June 2019. It's not really a, a something to, to, to shout about from the rafters really, whenever you take it in a context rather than just a straight-up number. Lots and lots of fleet registrations last month as well. They were up 37.9%. 92,699 units were bought on fleet, whereas the private demand was only up 14.8%, uh, with just under 80,000 units being registered. So most of the demand for new vehicles coming through fleets. Yep. Do you want to do the what you stick in the car to make it go from Tristan? Petrol, uh, obviously, is the predominant fuel, uh, making up a 69.42% market share. Next up is a battery electric vehicles, 152,968 of them, making up just over 16% market share. Diesel, including diesel mild hybrids, uh, 75,321 units at 7.93%, and last but not least, plug-in hybrid vehicles at 6.54%, that's about 62,000 units. Definitely petrol and mild hybrid petrol and hybrid petrol well, uh, well away above everything else, uh, yeah. by quite a significant factor. And that was all year to date, up to, up to uh, the end of June, those figures. Shall we hit the best registers as us? 
Yes. So number 10 is Vauxhall Mocha, uh, 3,034. Obviously, there's so many different models these days. Each of these numbers are so small that it doesn't take a great percentage change to shift stuff on the chart here. Kia Sportage is at number nine with just over 3,000 units. And number eight, the Take a Drink Toyota Yaris. Uh, number seven, the Mini. Uh, number six, the Nissan Qashqai. And at number five, the Nissan Duke with 3,256 units. Uh, not a big spread. Not a big spread there. Just 220 or so units between those, those bottom six. Uh, number four, the Hyundai Tucson. Uh, with 3,588. Number three, the Vauxhall Corsa with 4,146 units. Number two, the Ford Puma with 5,453. And uh, because the ships have obviously come in after a couple of quiet months, uh, number one, the Tesla Model Y at 5,539 units. Yep. Year to date. Uh, I'll run through that quickly. At number 10 is the Mocha. Number nine is the Fiesta, but that will happen no more. Number eight is the Mini. Number seven is the Sportage. Number six is the Duke. Number five is the Tucson. Number four is the Model Y. Number three is the Qashqai. Number two is the Corsa. And number one is the Ford Puma with 22,765. Just out of interest, did you ever own a Fiesta? Uh, I test drove one <laughs> as my first car, but didn't like it. I passed my driving test in one. Oh, yeah. That's, that's it. That's my Fiesta. No, I'm so old. It was a Metro. Uh, that's my Fiesta. Sorry. Oh, wow. That is old. Uh-huh. Was it BSM? Yes. Mine wasn't because they didn't operate in the Highlands of Scotland. Spreadsheet of Doom. Spreadsheet of Doom. Let me Doomify everyone and then you can cheer us all up. Okay. So Doom-wise, we have Arbath down 57%, Alfa Romeo down 33%, Alpine down 42%. What that equates to is last year they registered 53, this year 31. As ever, sometimes the percentage figures sound scarier or more impressive than they actually are. Don't worry too much. Mm -hmm. uh, Bentley down 20%. Then Citroen is down 34%. DS is down at 21%. Fiat is down 44%. Maserati is down 16%. And the last one, uh, Smart, is down 60%. I was just looking at this. Do we welcome Ineos this month? I think Ineos is, this is, the, first, is this the first month. No, it's the second month. So no, it's the no, second month. Last last month they were in. Last month. Yeah. Okay, so the greens, it's general upward rise. There's very few that there's very few manufacturers that fall that fall within our plus or minus fifteen percent threshold of not mentioning them. That's that's the official title. Audi up uh, almost sixty percent. BMW up twenty three percent. Cooper up eighty five. Ford up 49%. This is where you really start to see where the supply has been constraining. Mm. But again, remember, fleets, fleets, everyone. Yep. Genesis up 122%, Honda up 84 Jaguar 26 Lexus 212%. Not a good month for them last year. Uh, Mazda up 103%, Mercedes up 22%, MG up uh, 41%, Nissan up 50%. Polestar up 103, Porsche up 59, Renault up 89, Skoda up 36, goodness me. Sangyong up 53, Subaru up, they get the uh, MG award this month, up 260.24%. That's going from 83 registered vehicles to 299 registered vehicles. That's hilarious. That's like less than a week's worth in, in my immediate area. It's more congratulations you've registered any. Well, yes, I do tend to feel that about Subaru in the UK. 
Suzuki up 16, Tesla up 34, Volkswagen up 30, Volvo up 93, other British up 48.3, and other imports up 30.41. Ah. Yes, there were a lot of green because the VW Group managed to get some supply. Well, that's it. VW Group have su- had supply, Ford had supply, and, you know, that really did push it. Uh, Mike Hawes has said that it's that the, the market's going back to how it was. <laughs> We've discussed that. Uh, and also obviously commented on the increase in electric vehicles or electrified mm. vehicles. And as part of that, he calls upon the government to cut the VAT on public EV charging. So that makes owning uh, an EV fairer and more attractive to even more people. Ending quote. That's not likely to happen. They're more likely to ramp up the VAT on home charging because somehow they've got to replace all the money from the fuel duty. Yep. Sorry. I will now move us on from all that to Stellantis, who had an awful month last month, actually. And this is the news that Paul Wilcox has stood down as the head of UK operations for Stellantis. No idea whether the two are related at all, because he is leaving the group completely to off to do something else that we don't know about yet. He's going to be replaced by Maria Grazia Davino, who has been the head of sales and marketing for Europe in the whole of Stellantis. Okay. Mm. 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 Curious mm. that it's after such an appalling month Yes. across the board. Because we didn't mention Vauxhall, but they were still down as well. Uh, they were down by a whopping 0.39%. So they were pretty much even, but still down. Yeah. Not great. Now, what we don't know is that because of demand, is it because of supply, or is it a mix of the two? Mm-hmm. But we'll find out. Because, and, and good luck to Maria, because she's got yes. the hands full, that's for sure. I'm sure that the marketing will make all the difference. But she does have a 360-degree viewpoint, according to Stellantis. <laughs> Yes. So, um, yes. Yes, making statements like that gives an impression that perhaps <sighs> perhaps it wasn't a leap <laughs> Yes, it's, it's, by yes. Mr. Wilcox. Yes, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's a level of management wording which makes even me want to be slightly sick in my mouth. That's quite bad. I have a high threshold for that stuff. That is. Uh, but anyway, in other news, going to fleetandleasing.com, Patrick McGillicuddy has been appointed the full-time as opposed to just stand in managing director of JLR in the UK. So that would be effective on the, well, that was effective on the 6th of July. So he moves from being a sales director, uh, which he'd held since joining JLR in 2021 from the Volkswagen Group. And now he's going to be responsible for all the commercial operations as the reimagined strategy takes place. I'm going to mm. scroll back up to the top and see that he is not in the regulation blue suit white t-shirt no that's only retail people oh is that only retail people Don't forget no that. i didn't i knew that was only retail well done to him good luck you're going to need it it is time for us to break out the birthday cake throw out the streamers put up some signs saying happy 10th birthday to the first time that elon musk said that level four or five full self-driving was going to happen this year <clears throat> he's done it again every year up to and including this year to make it 10 years in a row of making a promise for something that has not nor ever will happen. Please do read this article that we linked to because it's the, it's the Autopian and do scroll down because there's a section in here called Editor's Note. And in this, 
I am playing the role of the editor, and Alan is playing the role of Jason Chesinski. <laughs> yeah, that's. I was. It's just, we're all slightly amazed that this one made the cut. To be perfectly honest, uh, for exactly the reasons in that editor's note. I'm going to rush us on and talk more about autonomous and self-driving cars. Uh, and that's that a, a small group, a small activist group in San Francisco have decided that they've had enough of self-driving cars blocking up the streets, not getting ticketed for driving offences and just bringing all the traffic to a halt like a human driver would be. Uh, and lots of stuff like that. They're called the Safe Street Rebel and what they're doing is they are placing traffic cones uh, on the bonnets of maybe around cruise cars, pardon me, around the city to to bring them to a halt and keep them out of the way of other people until the technician comes along and removes the cone from the bonnet. Yeah, this does no damage to the car itself, but it just makes the sensors freak out. So it says, we don't understand what's going on. We're not going to move at all, which is what one would hope. <laughs> A vehicle does what it doesn't understand mm -hmm. or has not got the programming to deal with that situation. It's not understand because that anthropomorphizes it when they're not sentient in any way. Yes. Safe Street Rebel uh, have a, a few points out here in Jalopnik article. Very legitimate complaints about self driving cars. Complaints, concerns about pollution, okay, uh, traffic, uh, mining, and accountability. But what they really point out is that the, the cars don't get tickets when they commit moving violations and that stalled and confused ones block buses and bike lanes and all sorts of stuff basically making the the surrounding city the inhabitants of the city of san francisco uh, and the bay area into beta testers yeah well they they've never pulled up to the curb correctly so they should all be ticketed for that mm -hmm. we've there's there's instances almost every day that get shared onto social media showing how that they are not fit to deal with normal road conditions that you or I would be expected to deal with. Mm -hmm. Things like if there's police tape cordoning yeah. off a street, they just drive through that. They uh, are blocking roads when there's emergency services are coming along. <laughs> Things like that. It's just, uh, there was supposed to be a meeting uh, on Thursday mm -hmm. to agree to extend the permit or not. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of negative uh, wording about their application to extend their self-driving vehicles. Mm -hmm. Coming from the emergency services themselves, open yeah. letters written to the committee who's going to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was meant to be on Thursday. Safe Street Rebel noted that that was the venue where citizens should voice their concerns, by the way. Mm. But it's... Uh, was meant to happen on Thursday. It's been moved out to August, did you say? Yeah, there is, it's sometime mm. in August, I think the 10th, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But that only got mm. announced late UK time yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, worth mentioning, don't run around putting cones on front of self-driving cars. You shouldn't really be doing that. Definitely don't do it if there's anyone in the vehicle. Uh, and of course, raise your concerns to the committee in the appropriate manner. Yep. Have I just got us out of being sued by Google and GM? For no, we weren't advocating doing it. No, I know, but I'm just making sure. Okay, that's good. I am going to take us to North Somerset and the Beach Road in Clevedon, where there has been a new cycle and pedestrian markings uh, and a cycle lane actually installed along the beach. Uh, this is on the shorefront at Clevedon that is meant to encourage 
and make it safer for pedestrians and cyclists to use the road. However, there's been a bit of controversy because there's quite an odd wiggly line design that's involved in this. I went back through some of the older news stories, also on the BBC News website, and to the start of this. There's a couple of things. So originally there was this rendering, which is obviously part of the pack used to sign off this idea. And it showed the now one-way street. It showed some parking. It showed a nice sort of echoing the beach type line along the side. And then it showed a two-way cycle path and then the pavement. Okay, and really nice. It looked good. It, It segregated the pedestrians, the cyclists, the cars and stuff. And I can see why it got signed off. Then what happened was the people in charge of actually implementing it or putting it in place, it showed that there were some weird white markings on the road. That was the next step where lots of people would compo face posing for posing for pictures. And then the final version is that they then sort of filled it in with a sand colored bit. And then there were bike racks at the sort of white the bits where it was wider there was space for bike racks and things which have since been removed which is very odd and you can see that the cars not just the Range Rover Sport start the picture at the start of the story but even further down smaller cars are parked half onto the sandy bit and they're still not you know and they're taking up the full space in air quotes that's meant for for the cars it looks like it was a good idea to segregate the three sort of groups of, of, of travelly people. Mm. But it, then it looks like the implementation has been the big letdown here. It's got lost in translation. It has very much got lost in translation between the plans, between the idea, the plans that got signed off, and then the the implementation uh, on, on the road. And I think that that's what's gone wrong there. But there's independent experts who are going to review this um, scheme, uh, and hopefully they will come to... Uh, a very similar conclusion you have just brought forward there, Alan, and said, well, we can see why the original got signed off. However, mm. what you've done is nothing like the original. So no wonder yeah. people are confused, angry, cross, upset. From from cyclists to people with a motor car to people who live there to people yeah, who've got it, businesses it, it, there. Is, actually, no one is happy. <laughs> yeah, well, I was about to say, what's been, ha- what's been implemented doesn't actually work for any of the three groups. Maybe best for pedestrians but they've got all the space that they had before. But neither cyclists nor drivers find it particularly good. And, and I think at some point here it says pedestrians find it a bit confusing as well because there's all sorts of crossings and bollards and all sorts of stuff. Ah, good idea. Badly implemented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that rounds us out the first part. So apologies to anyone who is jogging along to us. Um, yes. I hope you've I hope you've been quick. <laughs> yes, today was a fast day. But yeah, that brings us to Guilt Minute. Quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. Uh, if you feel the motoring podcast worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. The different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. Uh, we also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store, stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we do completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released. And by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you very much, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yes, thank you everyone that does. New, new car news. Yes. Well, it's a 
new facelifted new car news. The Dacia Spring. Well, it is the Chinese-built Dacia based on the Renault Quid, which was launched in Europe a couple of years ago, but not brought to the UK. It is going to come to the UK in summer 2024, uh, whenever it's been uh, whenever it's had the facelift and tech updates. And interior refresh. And interior refresh, because the one thing about the Renault Quid is the Renault Quid was not a luxurious vehicle by any way, shape or form. No, the uh, design boss David Duran said it is lacking a bit of modernity on the inside. Yes, just just a little bit. Con- considering Dacia are, well, they were until yesterday, selling on the fact that they only give you exactly what you need, that sounds incredibly Spartan indeed. Yeah. Well, it was it was it was very big in the Indian market, was it not, Alex? I was about to ask you. And Ed uh, Niedermeyer, yes. this is the Ed car Niedermeyer, they used. This is, well, they used the Renault, the Renault, yeah, driving yeah. across India. And then when there's no way autonomous vehicle could work here at all. Yeah, that was that was the one. That was the one. Since uh, 2021, it sold 120,000 units across uh, Europe, uh, 93% of which were new EV owners. One of my favourite quotes in here. Uh, well, the thing is, it's unclear if there'll be any changes, according to Autocar, to the spring's 44 brake horsepower driveline, uh, or it's a 28.6 kilowatt hour battery. But the Dacia CEO, and this, I really love this, uh, Denis Leveau said, if we did it again, I would cut the battery in half. And that's because the average spring in Europe covers just 10 miles per day. Oh, I just think that's that demonstrates how wrong the car industry gets so many decisions so naturally a 2.3 ton battery in it yeah yes so you know really it's not so much how wrong the car industry gets it's how much people generally believe that they're going to be driving hundreds of miles on a on a, bl- on a full bladder and stuff but it's a combination of the two mm. it's the people want the reassurance that if they need to they can go somewhere of some distance mm. We have to remember that because I, I, I mean, I've fallen into the trap myself going, well, the average distance is 50 miles in a day maximum for most people. You need 120 mile range. You'll be more than fine because you can charge up where you are, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I've done all that. I've fallen into that trap and, mm-hmm. and been Mr. Mansplainer or EV yes. splainer. But we have to remember people do buy, car, buy a car and they sit and they think, yeah, but if I do need to get somewhere, I need to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it, yeah, yeah. so you have to have some leeway for that obviously there is the well i drive hundreds of miles once a year so therefore i need this for the rest of the time to sit there not being fully utilized uh and that um, and then there's also the car industry has fallen into the trap i've discussed this on uh, social media of going oh no our diesels did seven thousand miles on one tank and people drove it like that Therefore, we must put in these massive batteries into EVs to give people the illusion or the feeling of comfort that they can mm. do 400 miles and everything will be fine when it's not needed. Yes, agreed. But I'm really excited for this because it's going to be a sub 20 grand by the time it gets here. I think we need to say a lot of the cars we've discussed recently and are going to discuss, no confirmation of price has been given. I think this all ties into the rules of origin argument that's still going on and no one wants to give a price to then say, oh yeah, actually it's gone up. Yeah, it's saying that the prices for the spring start at €17,300 in France. That 
translates to £14,760. And it even says here in the article, article, but no doubt the final price for UK customers will be slightly higher. Yeah. As a minimum, it's going to be 10%. Yeah. And remember, it's still to have that facelift. And they're not going to quote prices for a year out anyway. No. No, no. Uh, Very sensibly, I wouldn't do it either. Well, no, not as China has just banned certain semiconductor minerals from being exported. Just to add to the car industry's woes. Yay. Uh, but I'm sure that they're fine to be exported if they're part of a Chinese car battery. Yes. Mm-hmm. Naturally. Anyway, do you want to tell us about another car which has had a, a battery and motor up- upgrade? Yes. Facelifting the uh, Peugeot E208 Super Mini again. Last done in 2022. Uh, this time it is all about the battery and drivetrain. In 2022, they upgraded the range so it would do 225 miles. Now it will, thanks to, uh, this is on their smallest battery powered model, by the way, thanks to a more efficient battery and a more powerful electric motor, do up to 248 miles on a full charge. Now that sounds like perfect to me. Mm. It's got the comfort distance in there, more than enough comfort distance. And as it's a super mini, it's not a great hulking SUV. Yes. To transport people around, if, if that works for you. Obviously, everybody's situation is different. So that's going to take it to one of the longest battery ranges in the small car super mini class. Um, the Soul at the moment, the Kia Soul, uh, does 280 miles on a single charge, mm-hmm. is the leader of that. But it should beat the Corsa E, which has just been upgraded, so it goes back above them on the top. Yeah, well, pile. we did comment at the time that it was a surprise that it was the Vauxhall and the Opel that was the had the best range of the lot, and then sure enough, along come yeah, the senior partners and beat that <laughs> Absolutely. one down. Absolutely. Obviously, much more than the Honda E and the Mini electric. Um, what's also to note as well is that the power output will go up to 158 horsepower, mm-hmm. uh, and charging times, it's claimed, from 0 to 80% in 25 minutes if you're using a 100-kilowatt charger, and before the advertising agency, uh, standards agency leap in, as long as it is working at the advertised output for the correct amount of time for the charging curve should be five minutes quicker than the current model. In the correct meteorological circumstances. Ah, uh, yes, of course, there is that as well. Yes, yes. No, uh, rather good, yeah. It's, they reckon it's going to, the current model starts just over 30,000, so, you know, we are going back to the more typical EV price range from the, from the spring. Yeah. But you are getting significantly more. But the E208, Corsair and stuff, the thing is, you've got all of that, and they look good mm. as well. As long as they've got enough space for you, it's a bit of a win-win. Yeah. There's another article linked in the show notes, which will bring sad faces to all of us, I'm afraid. And this is the news that Peugeot sport-engineered road cars are not a priority for the company at the moment. Um, Top Gear have spoken to the Peugeot boss, Linda Jackson, and they are all out for making EVs for the roads. So therefore, this has taken a back seat. I think it shows how expensive it is to mm-hmm. make EVs, to develop the tech and to improve it. Because, I mean, we saw there how much the, the Peugeot E208 has been improved. First came out, they've already done one upgrade that's given it more miles range. They've done another upgrade that's more miles range. This is like every couple of years, a year or so. So they're, they're obviously spending a lot of money on 
giving the best product that we can buy mm-hmm. to try and compete with Chinese models and Tesla if you're going further up the range in terms of price. Uh, and also we have to remember they're doing the hypercar series now yeah. for the World Endurance Championship, which I believe is on the scale of not very cheap at all to do. Agreed. Agreed. So let's, we're, we're not getting nice rapid things. On the other hand, she's just saying backseat. Yeah, it makes it clear she's not saying never again, but mm. she's just saying not right now. Yeah, no, which, which makes sense. People who are going for electric and sport are MG. So MG uh, have announced the MG4X Power. Branding we'll remember from hot MGZRs and ZTs and stuff. It's going to arrive. So it's an MG4, which has 429 brake horsepower. That one's just specially for Joe Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Joe, we can only go on what is being reported. Uh, 429 brake horsepower, 442 pound feet of torque from an uprated dual motor setup front and rear units are giving 201 brake horsepower from the front and 228 from the rear i'm not quite sure that's totally how it works but have a torque new torque distribution control system electronic looking differentials um and it will be able to do uh, 0 to 62 in just 3.8 seconds using launch control the mg engineers have also reworked the regen system to allow for one pedal driving don't worry, it's not all about the extra power. There will be uh, new suspension components to actually give it torter responses, uh, revised spring damper tuning, new anti-roll bars, brakes, four hundred. Uh, pardon me, 345 mil ventilated discs at each corner. That's pretty serious. However, it does mean that the range has dropped a little bit. So instead of the MG4 Trophy, which is uh, which does 281 miles, the X-Power will only be able to do 239 miles using the same 64-kilowatt-hour battery pack. 150-kilowatt uh, rapid charging capability, terms and conditions apply, uh, enables a 10 to 80% top-up in 35 minutes. Uh, we should really say your time may vary instead of the old your, mile, your mileage may vary. Caveats, shouldn't we? Your luck may vary. Yeah. This is going on sale this month from £36,495. Is that the most expensive MG? Until the Cyberster Cyberster. turns up. I believe so, yes. I don't know. I haven't really looked. If it isn't like the top of the range, whatever the Mm. two SUVs are. Can't remember now. You can tell apart from other MG4s by the orange brake calipers, black roof, and a new 18-inch alloy wheels, along with the matte finish racing green paint colour exclusive to that. I think the green looks nice on it. I quite like it, actually. I feel slightly bad for saying that for some reason. I mean, it's ridiculous, of course, and the wheels are still a little bit too small. But Yeah, it's very daft because it sort of... (laughs) But maybe... Maybe it's a marketing thing to help us become adjusted to MGs significantly north of 30k, hmm. closer to the price of the Cyberster. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I think that there's... But also flexing their, look, we can do sporty. Yeah. Muscles. I don't know. Absolutely. We'll, 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 see. we'll, we'll see soon. No doubt the usual suspects will be allowed 
let loose with this on track and road and will tell us how good it is for tread shufflers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they probably won't go near it, to be honest. It'll take a little while before. No, no, a lot before of them. They so can many get people love the MG, it. the MG4. It's yeah, but the trip is still not into the tread shuffler thing because lots of the tread shuffle brigade are still, oh, V8, oh, petrol, oh. I'm going to move us right to the other end of the market from 3.8 seconds to I'm not sure it ever will hit. And this is the Opal Rocks E-Extreme that is the result of Opal asking design uh, students and interns to come up with an idea of what their Opal Rocks, which is the rebadge Citroen Ami, mm-hmm. could, could be. And uh, Lucas uh, Venshofer, who is actually interning in Opal, has created the E-Extreme, and I think it's amazing. It's uh, basically an off-road version of the Ami. It has outboard wheels. It's an off-road it up- racing version. It's, yes. it's not just oh. an off-road version, it's an off-road racing version. Yes, it, there is uh, very much uprated suspension. There is an external roll cage. There are roof lights, not enough for my liking though, so obviously hasn't spoken to Tom Wookie Ford on that one. And a massive wing out the back. Uh, and there's a, there's a cracking, uh, there's a link in the show notes to an Automotive Design Planet article that has a fantastic YouTube Quick, only 40 mm. seconds, has this fantastic video that uh, Lucas has created, which is, is only renders, but he's just shown what he feels the car can do. And, and also the rest of the article is excellent to read through. Yeah, totally. I've worked out what this is. It's a Bahami. 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 Yeah, um, yes. Very good. Well I'll finish my coffee, shall I? <laughs> yes. No, I like that a lot. I wish that was. I wish something similar to that was the version, rather than just the rebadged Ami. The trouble is, you just can't do that because you you need you know there need to be f- wing you know fenders over uh blah, blah, what they called fairings mud guards fairings thank you uh, and you'd be able to uh, over the over the wheels. Well, they and don't stuff need to, to go quite as extreme, but they could have lifted it a little bit, and you know, and you know, if you dial that down a little bit, so it so it did stand out from. Oh, is this an Ami? Or is this the Fiat? Although we know the Fiat ones because they've got rope for doors. <laughs> no, you can get them with proper doors as well. But it's it's kind of funny because at one end you've got the you've got the willfully ugly Citroen version, you've got yeah. the super cute Fiat version, and you've got the um and and you've got the slightly rugged Opal version. I think it's kind of fun. Yeah, I love it. I love I it. Like I do it like it a lot. Points of interest. Yes. Uh, so the first point of interest uh, it takes us to motorpunk.co.uk today. And uh, the lunchtime read is about Sleazy Riders, the 70s custom van craze by Steve Swanson. It's an excellent read about vehicles in which to procreate, really. I mean, that's well, it's what, how that's what they it came boils about, down to. Uh, what, it, what, what the scene developed into, shall we say, and how manufacturers uh, and advertisers tried to capture because some of it's a bit wow, you 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 went there, did you? Okay, Bobby couldn't make it till he went fun trucking. Yes, but also how uh, there's a couple of vans. <laughs> the owners of two vans uh, are being remembered uh, are remembering their love of them and are keeping a couple of custom vehicles going as well. So it, it, I I think it's just fabulous. It I, is. I love it. I love it lots. It's suitably ridiculous. Yes, they are just nuts, Over but it shows this great individualism. 
Yes. Considering Let's now it it's all about resale values of everything, this is harking back to a time when people didn't worry about that. Mm-hmm. It was before Quentin Wilson told us yes, everything should be abs- grey. Yes. Miserablest. Okay, on that note, I will cheer us up now by taking us to the list of the week. And this is from Haggerty, and it is 11 sports cars powered by the Rover V8. Okay, Alan. Hmm. This, well, it is quite tricky until you get to one, I think. It is, but then I find I can't choose that one because that's the obvious one to choose. No. And then it gets difficult. Okay, I'm going to choose the Wolf Race Sonic then. Yeah. Yay. Not necessarily a sports car. Yeah, that one-off. Uh, powered by two Rover V8s, if I remember rightly. Yeah, two Rover V8s and four front wheels and two rear wheels, which is what you need whenever you're trying to sell wheels. I think it's been lost. It was everywhere. The pictures are all very old, and then it just seems to have disappeared. So I'm kind of hoping that one of these one of these weeks or months it appears in some sort of barn fight, because it's like the ultimate barn fight would be or one of the ultimate bonfires. Or a bit like the bulldog, someone's been busily doing it up to bring it back again. Yes. Yeah, and it, it turns up to one of these uh, concourse hmm. shows. <laughs> it has to be this or the Panther 12, was it called? Oh, I've now forgotten. It was the other one with four wheels at the front. Just need to, to appear at some point, because they would absolutely kick bottom at, uh, at one of these fancy shows. Just for being so absolutely bat boo um uh in amongst all of the all of the more predictable exotics i think yep but do have a click on the link in the show notes and see if you agree with this decision because we both picked this actually hmm. um when we were talking about it beforehand but there i wouldn't object to any of the others either really no no i like i i would like most of them I'd maybe the Genetta G33 is probably my least favorite of them oh no i'm giving away cars that are in the list yeah, ah, people get in, i get in trouble for that yeah you will Take us to the end finally, please. I and by love the way, this one. before I go into this one, it's just the way the order has fallen, so it would not be fair to do the drinking game at this point to give you a little hint about what Alan's about to talk about. Well, it wouldn't matter who the manufacturer is, but uh, Toyota have uh, released their virtual plant tour. And this is. So good. The, the link takes you to the intro page, then you click uh, down towards the bottom, and there's a button that says Virtual Plant Tour. And it takes you through the process of building a car right from, uh, right from the, the whole manufacturing process, the power unit building, and then there's a whole primer on the Toyota production system. If you are a manufacturing nerd like me, it is absolutely wonderful. Or even if you are, if, if you've never not. seen any of those programs that says how is this car made, this is a brilliant uh, example for at your own leisure to find out what it takes to make a car today, and it's quite a lot. It is, it is a lot, and just it's all the some silly things like silly cost savings, like you keep the bits that you stamped out from the door inners, and then use those to stamp into the boot hinges and yeah. boot parts and stuff like that. It's it's really, really, I haven't been all the way through, but it's really, really good. Definitely do. Definitely have a click through. Definitely learn about the TPS. Uh, sorry, Toyota Production System. Now you can drink. Tells you all about just in, just in time. <laughs> it's so good. It's really good. 
Uh, I sat. I haven't done as much research into some of the stories in today's show as I should have done because I got distracted clicking through this. <laughs> then all of a sudden, it was eleven o'clock last night, and it was like, oh, I have to go to bed because I have to get up at six. We thank you for your service. That's it's a hard one, but I'll I'll, I'll manage it. Parish notes this week. So we're going to try something new next weekend. This weekend. This weekend. Well, yeah, yeah, sorry. This weekend. So, yeah, yeah. So Saturday and Sunday coming. Uh, we are going to try something new. Uh, we were going to try to do a couple of hours on the Saturday and a couple of hours on Sunday of uh, watching along with the uh, Goodwood Festival of Speed coverage. There's a couple of the, the, the things. So we're probably unless we announce anything else, going to start on Saturday at 11.45 a.m. Well, maybe just a fraction before. Because maybe just, when... Yeah, to say hi and all that stuff. But the, the, yeah. the, the coverage, and then on Sunday from 2 p.m. for another uh, couple of hours. Yeah, it's a chance for us to chat about what's happening going up the hill and you to join us and listen in and watch along. Well, yeah, watch along at the same time. But you have to watch along on a separate screen because... We're not allowed to rebroadcast their stream. No. No, so you need their stream open hours, uh, and then we'll have the comments open so you'll be free to uh, chat along with us, mm -hmm. uh, point out where we're wrong mm -hmm. or where we're right. Yes. <laughs> Don't uh, forget, it, do it nicely. Yes, that's what we're going to, that's what we're planning to, to try this weekend. I say more information closer to the time, partly because the timetable is still visional from Goodwood right at the moment. Cool. Uh, anything else I have missed, Andrew? No. Okay. Uh, then, folks, don't forget, between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts or show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, remember, you can support us financially via Patreon. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is if you search for Crack Windscreen on Mastodon or Twitter, you'll find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you and perhaps discuss the Toyota production system more, what's the best way for them to do that personally? Uh, you can do that on Twitter where I'm at AJP Bradley or Mastodon where I'm the same. I'm also on threads as well, but I'll never see it if you do it on threads, so that wouldn't bother. We'll be back very soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.